All right, I think we are ready. So I'm going to do the um, words of encouragement really quickly. Turn myself on. There you go, I'm on. We're ready to go. Thank you. All right, Mr. Jacob, your message was awesome. Ty. Thanks, Braxton. You're the man. Hey, I want to. I want to tell on. I want to tell on on Braxton. I can't believe what you did this morning. I'm shocked. Not really. I'm very thankful. You want to know why? It's because when the Johnsons came in, who got up out of their seat and brought their book to them, their songbook, so they would know where we were singing? Who? Yes. Let's give it up for Braxton. And and there was no parental oversight at that moment. He just did it because he's got a heart for it. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. Scott Kirkpatrick, thank you for the many ways you demonstrate love for God by serving your fellow saints. Can I get an amen on that one? Woohoo! Good job. And I got to stop here for just a minute. Well, no, I'm, I'm going to wait in just a moment. I got another one. Jeff Drillinger. Thank you for taking the time to encourage others, especially in the midst of your own challenges and pain. Uh, you are very appreciated. Also, too, I want to praise God that uh, he's given Jeff an eye for taking great pictures because in years past, we've had family camp uh, posters from his pictures, and I feel one coming on this year, too. So let's give it up for Jeff Drillinger. Woohoo! Uh, photographer extraordinaire as well as brother encouragement is your middle name Barnabas by the way I'm sure in the spirit realm it is I'm sure all right <laughs> well it's probably because of Barnabas I'm sure all right Jacob so thankful for your willingness to set up uh, step up and serve in so many ways you bless many lives because you choose to put yourself aside and serve. Amen to that one. Woohoo! All right. Julie, where'd your husband run off to? He took it. He took your baby. What is this? He's hiding in the back. Okay. All right. Is he changing the baby? Wow. What a good husband. Whoa. All right. Take note, gentlemen. We got a good example in the house. All right. Okay, moving on. We'll get to Logan a little bit later. All right, so just a couple of announcements really quickly. Tonight's evening assembly is at Tamara's place, correct? Okay, good. Uh, Monday night, this coming week, tomorrow night, college aid is college age at our place. And uh, we're going to have a work party putting our kitchen back together. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, <laughs> Sharon, I was just kidding, honey, just kidding. Uh, next Sunday night, evening assembly in light of uh, Christmas and family time, family dinners and stuff like that. We will not be having evening assembly. We will have, okay, listen up. We will have Sunday morning assembly. We are not putting, we are going to have Monday morning assembly next week. Uh, did I say Sunday morning? Wow. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. I look in perplexed faces. <laughs> oh yeah, Bible class. We're just we're running, man. We're running. We're doing it. Uh, but Sunday night, we are gonna uh, we're going to give you the opportunity to hang out with family. We know you love doing that. So, uh, physical family. 
Uh, next Monday night, uh, in light of what may be going on on uh, Christmas Day, we're going to have college age not meet, but college age will meet that coming Friday, that following Friday the 30th, uh, for our Christmas party that was postponed because of sickness and jobs. It would be nice if it got postponed because of deep snow, but the 30th we'll have to wait and see, okay? All right, so next uh, Friday, the 30th, college age. Next Monday, college age canceled. Next Sunday evening, uh, we're going to give you family time at home. Monday night, uh, tomorrow, we have it at a Compton place, and Tamara, we're invading your house tonight. There's a ladies' Christmas party on Thursday as well. Thank you. I didn't have that little note up here. Okay, 6 o'clock, bring a gift if you want, bring food, right? Okay, and it's at your house. Ladies. Ladies, Jeff, come on. Okay, so, wow. All right, let's grab our Bibles. Oh, is there are birthdays? Well, Athena and... Tamara. Athena's not here, but Tamara is. Anybody else got a birthday coming up this week? All right, here it is. You're the, you're the star this morning, Tamara. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Okay, well, let's grab our lesson plans and turn in our Bibles to the book of Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians 4, once again, uh, we're going to uh, do one more passage in Ephesians and chapter 4 next Lord's Day morning, and then uh, we will move on and, and conclude the year of working on trust on uh, the last day of 2022. And so, Ephesians in chapter 4, uh, beginning there in verse 1, if you would, please. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. We're going to be speaking about the one faith and the one baptism this morning. And there's a beautiful passage in the book of Colossians in chapter 2 that talks about both the one faith and the one baptism. I'd have you turn with me to Colossians and chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, uh, really an amazing passage of scripture speaking about our union with Christ Jesus. And he says here, beginning there in verse 9, I selected the starting place of verse 9, because it actually talks about us being filled with the Spirit, the divine nature. So, beginning in verse 9. 
And in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells, present tense, in bodily form. And in Christ, you, Christians in Colossae, have been made full. And he is head over all rule and authority. And in him, in Christ, you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him, having been buried with Christ in baptism, in which, or in baptism, you were also raised up with him, raised up with Christ through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Let's pray. Father, there is true union when we walk by the one spirit, your spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of glory, the spirit of power, the spirit who is our helper, the spirit of truth. When we walk in the spirit, dear heavenly father, as your son Jesus Christ walked in the spirit, we truly do have fellowship with one another. And we have lives that are trustworthy because we're striving to walk just as Jesus walked by the very powerful spirit that created the universe, the very powerful spirit that moved Jesus to choose every moment to live for us and not for himself. But Father, we also know that we are to be united in faith, that one faith, that faith of Jesus Christ. Lord God, when we walk by the faith of Jesus Christ, by the power of his indwelling spirit, Holy Father, we do then live as men, perfect integrity, women as perfect virtue in a world that's gone crazy. And Father, we can then trust each other because we know that each one of us is serving others and making others as more important than themselves because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did his whole life. We know that from Philippians in chapter 2. Father, now help us to relearn, be re-encouraged, uh, refocused on living by faith, walking by the Spirit, united together as one. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Notice there are two points, very simple. I laid it out very simple. And these are all things we've heard many times. But I would ask you to reevaluate and maybe evaluate how the devil has been kind of pushing you even in the most recent days. Because the, the push to compromise is happening in a greater and greater way. There's pressure, pressure coming on for us to compromise. You're saying, I don't understand how. Well, as you look around you, there's so many things happening in every facet of our lives where we're being called and pushed to compromise the truth. But if you walk by faith and not by sight, if you live and walk by the Spirit, you'll not compromise the truth, and we will be men and women that can be trusted. First of all and foremost, by each other as we work together as was communicated this morning, but also too by those outside. 
when they're looking desperately for something, someone who is rock solid, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, whether they know it or not. And people are drawn to those people. And so this morning, let's look at point number one. Unity of the one faith builds trust. The one faith. Well, we're going to find that the scripture actually teaches that preachers like me actually do need to preach the faith of Christ. Well, why don't we do that right now to prove to you that we are to be united in one faith. Turn back with me to the book of Ephesians, where we were just a moment ago in chapter 4, and notice what it says, that Jesus Christ gave some folks to be evangelists, some folks to be, to be elders, some folks to be teachers. You remember when I ordained uh, Jeff Drillinger and Kirk Parks to be teachers in the Lord's Church, uh, a delegated responsibility recognized and empowered by God. Do you remember when I laid hands on Brian so that he would be commissioned and empowered by God to be an evangelist? You know, those were things that we did, we could see with our physical eyes, but God was actually empowering them to do a particular job. And what is that job? Take a look, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning there in verse uh, 11. And Jesus gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for what? The equipping of the saints for the work of service, as Jacob was talking about, to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. The faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Faith, if we walk by faith and not by sight, and faith comes by God's word, and that means we embrace it and we internalize it and we live it. Whether it's, it's in our families, it's in our workplace, it's in our friendships, uh, every place we live by the faith of the Son of God, we're going to be united as one. And so we need to recognize that each individual here in this body has an obligation to develop his faith or her faith in and for and like Jesus Christ. You want to have a family that's, that's, that's really growing and serving? Do you want to have a workplace that's filled with the joy of the Lord? And I know some are saying, well, uh, I'm the only one. Great! At least there's one. See? And I don't know about you, but he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Take it to the devil at the workplace by the faith of the Son of God. But more importantly, live by faith and work together as one body to have a greater impact in this world. Now, let's jump right in. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Here we see in Galatians... The, the, the greatest number of passages of Scripture about the faith of Christ. And so, Galatians in chapter 2, and again, as you well know, modern translations do not translate the Greek correctly. And so when we read this, it says, Paul says, we are Jews by nature, by birth, and not sinners from among the Gentiles. Nevertheless, even though that's true, knowing that a man's not justified by the works of the law, 
The Apostle Paul says, you know what, just because we're Jews and we have the law, that doesn't mean we're in. That doesn't mean we've made it. So important. He goes on and he says, but through faith of Christ Jesus or faith of Christ. Now, the word in there shouldn't be there. Faith of Christ is in the, is the, in the genitive case in the Greek, which means Christ Jesus' faith. That's actually how it should have been translated. But through Christ Jesus' faith. Even we Jews have believed in Jesus Christ. Now that in there is correct. Jewish people had to believe in Jesus. What did they have to believe in Jesus about? They had to believe that Jesus was actually the Christ, the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for. And Jews had a hard time believing in that. In fact, most Jews today, the vast majority, they still reject the truth, the fact that Jesus Christ or Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah that they've been waiting for. But many of them, like Paul, believed in Jesus as the Christ. But notice he's saying believing in Jesus as the Christ is only the first step. You need to have the faith of Christ to be justified. What does justified mean? To be made innocent before God. That's very important. So to have the faith of Christ allows you then to be justified before God. Reading on it says here that uh, uh, so that we may be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. In other words, you try to be good enough. If you're trying to be good enough, merit your way to heaven. It's impossible. You all know that. But it's the faith of Christ that brings about justification. Now, what particular element in the spiritual realm cleanses us of our sin? What element in the spiritual realm cleanses us of our sin? Can anybody tell me that? What is it? The blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us. The Bible says that he bore all of our sins in his body on the cross. And the blood is what cleanses. Now, we need to recognize and understand then that by the blood we're cleansed. Do you think Jesus said, well, I don't really know why my father wants me to go to the cross. You know, it just seems ridiculous to me. Of course he didn't say that. He knew exactly why he was going to the cross. He knew exactly why he was going to the cross. Because he knew that there was no possibility of justification for your sins and my sins unless somebody died for us. Here I am, send me. I can just see him. When the father says it's time, who's going to go? Here I am, send me. And he came. And he knew. How many times did he tell his apostles? Uh, apostles. Apostles. I got a little excited there. How many times did he tell his apostles, look, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. I am going to be treated horribly. I'm going to be crucified on a cross. I'm going to be buried. But don't worry, three days later, I'm coming out of the tomb. Victory. How many times did he tell that? Seven that I can tell, looking at the different Gospels. Now, I might be wrong, 
But you go back and look. Now, you know what? There's sometimes the Gospels have it and others don't, but you put them all together. Huh. Cool. He knew why he's going to the cross. I got to go to the cross so I can justify Bill. You know that knucklehead that's going to be born in 58 and then finally figure it out in 82? I got to die for that guy. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. Because he is so, he's so messed up. I have to make sure that I do it for him because he's definitely not making the grade. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to think. Now, I don't, I'm not going to suggest that he thought of that way about you. The Bible says he thought that way about you. I got to die for Brian. I got to die for Sharon. I got I to die for Rick. And I got to die for... So they'll be justified. He went to the cross knowing what he was doing. He went to the cross knowing that he was going to bleed. He went to the cross knowing that his blood was going to cleanse our sins. He went to the cross knowing. By faith, he went to the cross. By the way, he learned that from the Old Testament. The Bible, the word of God at that time. He had faith in his father like we're supposed to have faith in Jesus Christ. I have faith in the father. That's what Jesus said. I have faith in Jesus Christ. It's the same exact faith as Jesus. Why did he go to the cross? Because he was acting on his faith. Why do we go to the crucifixion in immersion? Because we have faith. And knowing that's when we're going to come in contact with the blood. It's the exact same reason. Jesus went to the cross so that you and I can be justified. Why do we go to immersion? So we can be united with him in, in his crucifixion and have our sins washed away and be justified. It's the same exact faith. It's the motivation why we go. Brethren, it's the motivation why you go to the waters. It's the reason. And there's a lot of people in a lot of churches that are being baptized, but they're not doing it for that motivation. They're not doing it to be justified by the blood of Jesus. Brethren, they're not walking by the faith of Jesus. There's only one faith, the faith of Jesus. How important is that then? Can I stop for just a moment? Those people online might not like me very well, but I don't care. And you might not like me very well, but I don't care. I'm going to pull a John the Baptist on you. Is it okay if I pull a John the Baptist on you? Well, I don't care what you think. I'm going to pull a John the Baptist on you. When I was in a different Christian faith, kind of, I think, named after John the Baptist, I went to the water, but not for justification. I was immersed, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, but not for my justification. I was baptized in the Baptist church because I was told, this is how you tell the world. It's an outward sign, baptism, of an inward grace that you've already received. It's your confession that you are already a Christian. Where is that in the Bible? That's not the one baptism and that's not the one faith. I was not a Christian. Now, if you're calling me judgmental, please read the Bible. I did immersion after I'd been baptized a Baptist again, but for the first time correctly. For the justification of my soul, the cleansing of my soul. If someone has been immersed with that wrong reason, 
It's not the right faith. There's only one faith. It's the faith of Jesus. Jesus went to the cross to bleed to justify your sins. I went to the waters finally after I read it and figured out for the justification of my sins by being united with Jesus in his death, a crucifixion on the cross. Do you realize then that all of these baptisms are going on? That if they're not done for the right reason, the right faith, they're coming up short. You're saying you're being judgmental. No, I'm sharing with you what the Bible says. Go back and study it very carefully. I prefer that you not be judged. You know who's really judgmental in a conversation like this? Those who say, nah, God would never do that. God isn't going to judge people that way. You know, they're making a judgment call about God's judgment. They're being judgmental. I'm just telling what the scripture teaches. Well, let's read on. Galatians 2, verses 19 and 20. After Paul is crucified with Christ, notice what he says here in Galatians 2 and verse 19 and 20. He says very clearly, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. You know what? He learned from the law that he was a sinner. The law didn't give him life. He learned he was a sinner. The law killed him. Uh Oh, I need Jesus. And then when he heard the gospel plan, he realized I need to be justified by the sacrifice of Christ by being baptized. Acts 22, 16. And why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, Saul, and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Notice, he was justified when? In the waters of immersion, because that's when his sins were washed away. Saul was crucified in immersion. But notice it says here, the law killed me, but it forced me to decide I need Jesus. And then, of course, verse 20. He says here, very clearly, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And in the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. If the churches in the world crucify me because I preach this, fine. If the governments of the world crucify me because I'm preaching this, fine. Show me where it says it's an outward sign of an inward grace. And I'll change my tune. But I'm not changing my tune. I'm going to sing the praises of God and I'm going to sing the truth of his word. Now, Galatians 3, verses 21 and 22. This is a beautiful passage of scripture. Galatians 3, verse 20, 20, uh, 21 and 22. Notice what it says here. It says, um, is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Of course not. May it never be. For if, if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has been shut up, has shut up everyone. This is the, the, the law of Moses, has shut up everyone under sin. I'm a sinner. I can't get out. You're in the jailhouse of sin. So that the promise by the faith of Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The promise is the Holy Spirit. Go back to Ephesians. The promise is the Holy Spirit. Go back to Galatians. The promise is the Holy Spirit. You're given the Holy Spirit by faith. Now, do you know how Paul or Saul was converted? Ananias says, and now, why tarry thou? Arise and be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And that's exactly what he did. And then it says, that's when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Huh, 1 
forgiveness of sins and receiving the Holy Spirit. Not only are you justified by faith because you go to the water to have the blood of Jesus cleanse you. That's why I went to the water. And then because of the Holy Spirit, now you can walk just like Jesus if you continue to walk by faith. Now, turn the page. Are you saying, oh, yes, the one baptism. We know the one baptism. Well, of course we know the one baptism. We should. There is only one. There's not a multitude of baptisms, only one. And so please take a look. Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. You know this is a beautiful passage of Scripture. And uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, Kirk told me of a Bible study he, uh, he did with someone who got to this Bible verse and stopped dead in their tracks. Couldn't read it. Couldn't read 238. He got halfway through Acts 238 and stopped. Right, right, Kirk? Oh, it's like this big hammer. He saw it, but then he said, well, that's not how I was saved. Wait a minute. That's not how you were saved? That's how everybody else was saved, but that's not how I was saved. What, did God make an exception for you? No, I'm going to change my word. I know it's not in my word, but I'm going to change it because you're special. Is that how that works? It doesn't work that way. Here we go. I love this. Peter says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain, let every human being actually know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Look at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? I love that. What do we do? It's not what shall we believe. They already believe that Jesus is the Christ. We're going to do whatever he says. What did he say to do? And Peter replies, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for two reasons. For the forgiveness of your sins, that you'd be justified, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you may be sanctified. Justified and sanctified. Now, if you don't have the right faith, you go get baptized for whatever reason some guy says. John Calvin, he didn't have it right. Martin Luther didn't have it right. John Wesley didn't have it right. Chuck Colvin, are you listening? Didn't have it right, doesn't have it right. You are so judgmental. We're going to be judged by this word. Allow the word to judge you. If I am not teaching the word, you call me out. And when you call me out, guess who's standing behind me? The word of God is standing. You're saying, how dare you say that? Man, I can imagine us going down to the Jordan River when John the Baptist is there. You brood of vipers! I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Jesus knew that he went to the cross to bleed to justify us. We go to the waters of immersion to come in contact with the blood so that we'll be justified. Jesus went to the waters on the Jordan River knowing that the Holy Spirit would come upon him and he would be announced, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. I went to the waters of immersion knowing that after I was justified by his blood, he would fill me with his spirit. That's what God says. Not Bill. Not any person. That's what God says. Now, if I don't tell you that, what kind of preacher am I? One that's compromised. A compromising preacher. You want one of those? 
run me down the rail. Or jump in your car and go. There's lots of messages, lots of gospels out there. But there's only one that says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Galatians 1, 6 or 9 says there's one gospel, only one. Now look at the next passage of scripture there. Romans 6, verses 1 through 7. We all know that one. When were you crucified with Christ? When were you buried with Christ? When were you raised up with Christ to walk in the newness of life? That isn't a symbol. That actually happened. It actually happened if you had faith. Now, I've had people say, well, it doesn't say water baptism there. Oh, it doesn't? Huh, that's interesting. Because Peter commanded that the house of Cornelius, he commanded the house of Cornelius be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of sins to receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's important for us to recognize water. The Ethiopian eunuch gets preached the gospel. He goes, hey, look, water. What prevents me from being baptized? See, it's water immersion. But God is working in that water immersion. You want proof? Hey, man, I was in the Baptist church. I didn't like, you guys are crazy. You guys think that's true? You're crazy. And yet, when I came, and God got me on this one, Colossians 2. That's one of the verses we worked on this morning. Let's take a look. Let's do Colossians 2 real quick, and we're going to do the uh, Reader's Digest version. We're just going to look at verse uh, 12 and 13. Having been buried with him, where? Let me try that one again. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12. I'm just reading the Bible. This is not Bill Compton's version. This is God's version. Okay, here we go. Having been buried, buried with him, buried with Christ in? Oh, that's when we were buried with him. That's when it actually happened. We're buried with him in baptism. Now, it's interesting as we read on. This is where it gets really exciting. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which, which means in baptism, the which refers back to baptism, in which, in baptism, you are also raised up with him through of God, of Christ's faith. Faith that God was going to raise him from the dead. Would you go to the cross? Hey, you just go to this cross and I'll raise you up again. Go ahead. You can trust me on that. No way, man. Well, if somebody said that to you, would you go, yeah, no problem. I'll go be crucified on the cross for this weird, strange plan. No way. But Jesus knew that God could not break his promise to raise him from the dead. God will not break his promise. If you go to the water grave for that reason, he will raise you up, fill you with his spirit. You'll be powerful as you move forward. And notice what it says there. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith, faith in the working of God, faith in the working of God. God is the one who justifies, not you. In the waters of immersion, he justifies you. You go there because you know he's going to work there. And then he's going to raise you up. You go there because you know he's going to raise you up. And that's why you go. If you don't go there for that reason, 
nothing happens. Nothing happens if you don't go there for that reason. You can argue with God all you want. Hey, you argue with me, that's fine. Just bring your Bible and show me where it says something other. It's not there. So, brethren, it's so important for us to recognize that Romans 6 is actually talking about we are crucified with him, we are buried with him, and we're raised up with him to walk in the newness of life. And it all happens in immersion. Now, there's one cool passage of scripture that we never talk about in Romans 6. Never. Why? Because maybe your preacher has been delinquent all these years. No longer. Turn to Romans chapter 6. And you say, well, I'm already there, man. What's the verse? 17 and 18. Romans 6, verse 17 and 18. Verse 17 says, But thanks be to God that though we were slaves of sin, by the way, read Romans 6, verses 1 through 7, we are set free from sin when we were immersed into Christ, baptized into Christ. He says here, But thanks be to God that though we, you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to the form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, uh, you became slaves of righteousness. What's the form of teaching to which you were entrusted? Here's the form. We must become sons and daughters of Abraham as Jesus was a son of Abraham. You must walk in the newness of life by having your sins taken away, crucified, buried, raised, so that you have the power and people see a new man who's been resurrected and is seated at the right hand of God. And by your life, we set a new standard of life for others around us. You know what that's called? It's called the gospel, the seven-part gospel. When do you become a child of Abraham? When the old man is crucified and the new man is Christ in you. When are you crucified? In the waters of immersion. When are you buried? In the waters of immersion. When are you raised up to walk in the newness of life? In the waters of immersion. When do you walk in the newness of life? Every moment after that, by faith and the Holy Spirit. And people see a difference. Because you've been raised up and you're seated with him, you've been glorified already. The Bible says that. And a glorious human being looks just like Jesus. Brethren, I was baptized twice before I read my Bible and figured out what I was supposed to do. But when I finally saw it, I said, okay, I'm doing it that way. Now I have book, chapter, and verse. So if Jesus says, well, uh, you weren't justified. But you said, you said, you said, you said, and I'm not going to be that bold. I'm going to say, Lord, what about Colossians 2 and, and verse 12 and 13? I won't even look at them probably. What about Romans chapter 6 verses 1 7? Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Lord, show me. And use a tool, an instrument, to show me. I'm open. Some of you know. I'll change my mind if it's in there. I'll change my mind if it's in there. If asking Jesus in your heart is in there, I'll change my mind. If being baptized for an outward sign of an inward grace is in there, I'll change my mind. I'll even come and preach it to you. I promise I'll preach it to you. Some of you know I've preached when I've been corrected and I searched the scriptures and I found I was wrong, I preached that next Sunday. I was wrong. How many remember me doing that on a couple things? I'll do it. 
How important is it? All of eternity for everybody I've ever preached to this message. So if I've done it wrong, you please tell me. Finally, I want to close with this. If we walk by the same word in the same faith and we're baptized with that one baptism where we are sure to have had our sins washed away and we've been given the Holy Spirit, as we walk by the Spirit, who are we going to live like? Who are we going to speak like? Who are we going to love like? Who are we going to be courageous like? Who are we going to be merciful like? Who are we going to be forgiving like? Who are we going to be patient like? Who are we going to be kind like? Christ, can you trust somebody like that? Can you trust somebody like that? Well, if you can't, then you really don't trust Jesus because that's who Jesus is. Let's remember there's only one faith. There's only one baptism. How important is this? It's not just your salvation. It's the salvation of all those whom you would come in contact and you would teach. That's how important it is. Brethren, I believe the end is near. How soon? Don't know. It's nearer than it's ever been before. Oh, that's profound. <laughs> but it's true. And I believe, based upon the things I see, that is, I mean, I think it's within my lifetime. That's opinion. But I think it's that close. Now, more than ever, we need to learn to trust each other by living a life that's trustworthy. Amen? Amen. So let's find out what the one faith is, the faith of Jesus Christ, and live it. And the one baptism, if you were baptized before, examine yourself. Use the word of God to examine. Don't sit down with me. Sit down with the Lord. But do not reject when you hear the voice of God through his word. Amen? Let's close. That we might be a power, powerful people, trustworthy. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word. It's so powerful. It, it, it is able to change our mind, and which literally means our lives are changed. And we become people that we weren't before. We become people just like your son, Jesus Christ. We become Christians only. Father, I would ask in your son's name, Jesus, that we would recognize that unity comes through the indwelling presence of your spirit as we walk by the one faith, the faith of Jesus Christ, that he built upon your word and your word only. Philosophies of men, doctrines of men, creed books, all of those things, dear Heavenly Father, have no value in the eternal kingdom. Help us, Father, draw near to you through your word. Let us walk by faith and not by sight. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's get all excited. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Good job, Braxton. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the king of kings. King of kings. All right. See you later, everybody. I got to. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org 
or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.